everybody. Welcome to Pushing Buttons, the podcast where we talk about video games and we go off topic a lot. We're now part of the Geek Freaks podcast station. My name is Kevin. And I'm Kyle. And I'm Frank. We got Frank with us today. It's back to Welcome. a three-man booth. Back to a three-man booth. I love it. It's been some time since we had a third man. A third I, wheel. I'm we're no Robert, say, but I, I will try. It? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we're not saying that Robert's never coming back. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's probably going to come back at some point. He will. Fingers but crossed. Frank's a good third man to have with us today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking all about nostalgia and what that means to us and how that affects our buying habits and our playing habits with video games. But before we get into that, what have you guys been playing lately? What have you guys been up to? Uh, I'm going to let Frank go first as our featured guest today. Oh, man. I feel so fancy being the featured guest. I mean, that classy guest. <laughs> uh, so Final Fantasy 14, because I'm just, I got to ride the trends, guys. That's, that's who I am. I, I jumped on the bandwagon. Um, so I'm, I'm blazing the trails over there. And I'm playing Watchdog Legions because uh, it was cheap and I'm a big fan of cheap. So I uh, got a good deal on that. And I'm actually enjoying it. My grade for that so far, which I'm almost done with it, is a C. Um, mm. Because there's so many small things that they could do to change that game and like make it entirely better game, like an A game. But they just are missing, missing it. And I'm so tired of puzzles. Ubisoft, if you're going to make an open world that's fun, <laughs> don't slow me down with puzzles. Like, what's the deal? Anyways. Indeed. Oh, God. Did you play the, the first couple Watch Dogs games? I played like 20 minutes of one of them. I wasn't okay. really into it. Yeah. I, what made you stick with this one? Was this one just better out, up front or? Well, they pitched it as like, you're going to be able to build a team and that that's a hook for me. And it's uh, ever since Shadow of War or in Shadow of Mordor, those games came out and the idea of like building a team. Actually, Kingdom Under Fire, an old Xbox game was, was one of these two that did that. Um, whenever that's pitched, I, they got my money. And so that was the idea. And it's funny because that's actually one of the features that's really hurting this game is the fact that you build a team. And because instead of having a protagonist with a team, it's just the team and there's like, who am I rooting for? So, yeah, what are you going to do? So you play as different characters is what you're saying? You play as like 20 different characters if you play the game right. Oh, yeah. okay. And they're randomized. It's randomized characters. So you can't even like have like a poster with your favorite character on it. So what I've done to fix it is I've picked a character that I like, uh, Monique. She's a spy. And I've made her my protagonist. So I will do every mission I possibly can with her. And the only thing that stops hmm. me is when I have to use a construction worker. Because they have access to these like big drones you can actually ride on. Um, so otherwise, I just use the one character and make her my protagonist. Because they do actually have like fully voiced lines, every, every person. So you, you actually do get this like really unique voice that's hers. And that, that helps me a lot. Nice. I, I was uh, expecting it to be kind of more like a Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. But the whole hook right. of that game was to recruit people to be part of your brotherhood. Yeah. But you're still playing as Ezio the whole time. Hmm. That's so the smart way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. We've talked so much about Ubisoft already. Kyle, what have you been up to the last <laughs> couple of weeks? <laughs> well, uh, same as Frank, I've gotten into uh, MMOs and I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14, preparing for our level up episode coming out real soon, mm -hmm. as well as World of Warcraft, of course. Um, at a later date, we'll be talking more about what's going on with them lately. So I've been kind of split on my decision as to whether to continue playing or not. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. When this comes out, we've already talked about that. <laughs> yeah. This oh. will be like a week after the level up comes out. I think the hopper is oh. thick, the level up <laughs> and the geek freaks news where we talk about blizzard <laughs> chaos right now. And all that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Stuff. 
But uh, yeah, I've just been playing MMOs lately, trying to get back into the swing of things with Final Fantasy, mostly. Yeah. Nice. Nothing out of the usual for you, then. Indeed. Yeah. Cool. I have also been playing an MMO lately, and by that, I mean the last couple of days, and it's going to show how pre-recorded this episode is, is I'm doing the New World uh, closed beta. I pre-ordered that so I could try playing it. Mm-hmm. I kind of love it. Really? I didn't nice. expect it. What it's part? so... It's, it, it's just so much better than a standard MMO, because the combat, it's pretty cookie-cutter, but it's not tab-targeting, so you actually mm-hmm. feel like you're in it. Hmm. Um, the The resource management gathering and crafting system is just so much fun. I could lose myself just collecting resources and crafting everything, leveling up all of my little sub-categories of skills, not even touch the, the combat unless I could attack while gathering resources. But yeah, I was just blown away. The, the world's really well done. The voice acting in the game is actually pretty good for an MMO. Like I was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that even with the a team like Amazon behind it. I wasn't expecting it to be that that good. Um, it seems like they're, they're paying a lot of attention to what the, the the players have said since the last open out or the closed alpha versus the closed beta uh, making changes. They added quest lines and stuff to it. So I haven't even touched PVP in the three and a half hours I've played. I'm I'm enjoying it and I don't I'm not an MMO guy anymore. So that's I a was, good omen for the game. Yeah. I it, <laughs> it might bring might be the game that brings people back to the MMO. People that have uh since the the end of Star Wars Galaxies or Dark Age of Camelot, like the, the old school MMOs before WoW came out. Mm-hmm. I, I think this might bring back a lot of those players. It has the potential to bring back a lot of those those players. I really like the combat in that game. I think it's something that needs to be highlighted because it's it's almost like more casual than an MMO's combat, but still has the gameplay loops that you need to keep going. Uh, so I, I think it's there's something there. It's we always hear bad news about that game, but the nice thing is, is Amazon hears it too, and then they fix it. So that is nice. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it is kind of the the cyberpunk deal. You know, temper your expectations, yeah. and you can enjoy the game. I, I was blown away. I picked up my controller and just started moving stuff around, <laughs> and it worked in the game without me having to set anything up. And it's a PlayStation four controller hooked up to a computer running an Amazon game on steam. And it just worked. So just easy Synergy. stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Just, I, I didn't expect didn't switch any of the on-screen HUD UI elements for the controls or anything, but yeah, it was just little things like that. It, it, it's going to go a long way. I think to making MMOs great again. So with that being said, do you think you're going to actually buy it when it's released in August 31st? I already did to get into oh. this closed beta. I had to pre-order it to get into the closed oh, beta. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah. And this beta only lasts a week and now it's coming out at the end of August. So in a few weeks after this episode airs. Do you think yeah, it's I'll... done enough for that? I mean, you're only a month out. Uh, it's hard to say after only three and a half hours. I mean... I haven't really left the opening area yet. I'm still level 11 or something like that. I haven't even chosen a faction yet. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm interested in it as a person that likes playing MMOs solo, but there is also a lot of social aspects that are, that are pretty appealing to me. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Very good. If you get it, I'll get it. There you go. You got it. And likewise. There we go. Oh, I already <laughs> got it. So 
Challenge accepted. <laughs> there you go. Amazon, take more of my money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Jeff needs oh, to go to space man. twice, so let's make sure we make that happen. <sighs> I can't refund it anymore. Now I want to after you said that. <laughs> He's going right. to put factories on the moon. It's important we help him out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that being said, let's get right into the topic and... On the topic of nostalgia, I want to ask you guys both the question. What is your earliest gaming memory? And if you don't remember what your earliest memory is, or don't have enough to elaborate on it, what's your best early gaming memory? So it's kind of an open-ended question, but yeah, Frank, why don't you start, start us off? All right. Um, my first gaming memory, it's Christmas Eve. We, uh, I'm like six, I think. Uh, we go to my grandparents' house, and it's just a normal, you know how you go to the grandparents' house on Christmas, get what gifts you can, and walk out. Um, <laughs> and we get back home, and in the back of the pickup is an NES. And uh, so this is like, what, 91? Which I know for a lot of you guys, like, oh, that's old school. Like, you've had the NES, the NES has been out since 85, uh, but it was big for us. And we did not know where the NES came from. And... The parents, I remember very well, calling around trying to figure out, like, who put this thing in the back, like, this video game system in the back of the thing, in the truck. Uh, meanwhile, I'm, my mind is fully blown. Like, we have an NES now, so it's, it's ours. I was convinced <laughs> right. that Santa just didn't have time to bring it to the house and just, like, screw it up in the back of the Dodge. Um, and I was, I was so happy. Well, come to find out, it was my, my Aunt Sarah surprising us, and she bought it, and just, like, that was how she's going to surprise us, just put it in the back of the truck. And, um, I mean... I was hooked after that. Like it was Super Mario Brothers on, you know, 85 Super Mario Brothers is legendary, that music and everything like that. And uh, that was my first gaming memory. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's a really cool memory. I kind of wish you went last because mine's not going to top that. <laughs> Try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. Hit it. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Kyle, of course. your turn. Yes. Uh, so basically... Um, I don't have a specific game per se, but similar to Frank, it's getting a console for mm -hmm. a gift. And I remember I have family in England. We came back from a vacation there and my dad, he stayed behind and he set up Christmas for everybody. And under the tree, I unwrapped a Nintendo 64 for the first time, oh. along with a golden copy of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Nice. And I can't help but picture that as the most nostalgic or most vivid memory of me overfilled with joy. Basically my little inner child was just like jumping and galloping and just going all sorts of crazy in the living room, like jumping over the couch and just overall overwhelmed with excitement. <laughs> I'm just picturing little Kyle jumping around going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I meant to make a, a link sound, but I made a Mario sound. You did. You straight up with Mario it. on that. Yeah, that's I, I, some hybrid there. I meant to go. Hut, ha, hut, <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. But, but, yeah. But, essentially, like when you put that game in, it's just overwhelming. Like how insane it is as a first-time console owner. I you didn't have any consoles before that. No, no. I uh, basically had friends that had like a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis PlayStation. And this was like the first time I actually had my own console. So it was a big deal. 
I can't think of any other gift that has brought me so much like immediate excitement and joy than Christmas morning opening up an N64. And, yep. and like the one I had had, you know, the Mario 64 on the box and everything like that. And that, I can't think of another gift that's ever done that to me. And it was just like pure joy. And I remember that was the first time I kept the box for some reason for a long time. <laughs> I wish I still had it today, but I don't know where it went. But like, I just have to have this box. It's too perfect. Classic. Nice. Well, my earliest gaming memory, I, I, I've probably told this story once or twice on old school pushing buttons, but it's still a fun memory to relive. So I'm going to lay it at you again. Um, I was I had to have been about four or five years old. So I'm going to take you back to 1992, 1993, somewhere in there. I was very young, so my memory isn't super vivid on the details, but my dad came home, I think, from work. And I remember sitting down on the couch and watching him hook something up to a TV. And I, he had an NES. I was way too young when he was playing the NES to know what was going on. But I saw Sonic the Hedgehog running across the screen and all that, that eight, the 16 bit, all that 16 bit glory. And I was just in awe of how fast it was and how gorgeous it looked. The sounds, the music was incredible. It was just at, at little four or five year old Kevin. Get, I, I get excited talking about it right now. You can imagine how excited I was 30 years ago looking at this thing. And yeah, I, since then, I've just I've never looked back. I've been a Sonic fan, the 2D Sonic fan ever yeah. since then because of that. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, that, man. That soundtrack. I mean, that's unforgettable. Marble Zone. And I mean, there's just so many that are just like so iconic. There's some sometimes when I'm at work and I'm having like a rough day, I'll just put in my earbuds and I'll look up the the Sonic One or the Sonic Three OST on you on YouTube and just listen to that music just to just to get myself in a good place again. Actually, <laughs> so, as a as an Edmund McMillan uh, McMill fan, uh, have you listened to the soundtrack for The End Is Nigh? Not in its entirety. No, I have not. Phenomenal. Um, he, who did that soundtrack? That wasn't. He's not a musician i wonder who did that sound it, it's all like classical music but remixed with like retro wave uh gaming tech and it's i mean it, it might be the best soundtrack i've ever heard in a video game oh wow that's yeah. high praise yeah i For was me, just gonna say celeste personal celeste was really good too yeah i i'm a big fan of the uh the crypt of the necro dancer uh, OST. This is another topic for another time. <laughs> it sure <so>. is. <laughs> that Had shirt's available, said. by the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's crazy how those early memories shape and form our uh, opinions on video games later on in life. Because to this day, I still will play almost any 2D 16-bit looking game. I love games that boast that they've got a a true two Sega Genesis sound chip soundtrack that or even to Super Nintendo. And I didn't have one of those as a kid. Nostalgia is a huge factor for me when it comes to playing a game. And I, I honestly want to delve into uh, specifically with you guys, because I don't know if I'm alone in this, but nostalgia is a big factor in whether or not I'll play a game based on a trailer or screenshot or a review. What do you guys think? What are your first, your first thoughts on this uh i'll kick off first uh essentially nostalgia is such a big marketing tactic nowadays you see it with all the releases 
with the remasters and remakes, all that stuff. Um, just, you know, not too long ago, we got the Dead Space remake announced. And for me, that is huge because that was a big game in my early adult life. Like uh, the first game came out on my 21st birthday, which says enough right there. And it was also the first time I jumped into HD gaming. I had a 720p TV at the time. And ever since, like, that was my first real experience with HD graphics and using a headset for sound. And I just got so immersed in the game. And now with this remake, I'm like, oh, man, I want to go back. I can't wait to go back. I'm so excited. But at the same time, I'm hesitant because it's like, is it going to be just as good, if not better? So there, there's a part of it where nostalgia might actually be something you're worried about then because you're like, can you ruin an experience that I had once? Indeed. Yeah. I Will mean, we've seen that up? with other remakes. <laughs> yeah. We've, you know, more recently, uh, I played the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes. While 2 was really good, 3 was not so good. And it didn't really detract too much from the original experience, but it could have been better. Yeah. So there's that game that was announced pretty recently. Um, it looks a lot like Dead Space. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it wasn't it. Isn't it being made by a bunch of guys that used to work at Visceral? Oh, yes, it was. Uh, I think Callisto Protocol is what you're thinking of. For so, the PUBG universe game. Oh, I, is that what you're thinking of? I have no idea. There was a very Dead Space looking game that that was announced. And the first thing I thought of was that Kyle's going to eat this shit up. I think that's <laughs> what you're referring to, because it is made by the original director of Dead Space, Glenn Schofield. OK, he was the head of Visceral on the first Dead Space game, but then he left to join uh, Activision and he made several Call of Duty titles after that. So this will be his big return to sci fi horror, which I'm really excited about. Not so, so much on the PUBG stuff. <laughs> it's kind of like a weird choice. But yeah. I'm I'm curious. How much of a factor does the nostalgia of Dead Space come into effect when you are looking at that game? I would say quite a bit. I mean, uh, with Glenn Schofield, he just crafted this meticulous science fiction horror game. And for me personally, I feel like that's such a huge draw. Like it'll get me to at least check it out day one. Because I've seen his previous work, as well as several key employees from Visceral. I think they're also on board to make the game as well. But uh, I think overall, that nostalgic feeling I have for Dead Space 1, it's going to carry over seamlessly. Do you, Frank, have that one game that if you see a game that's supposed to be a clone of it or looks like it's inspired by it, that you'll immediately snatch that up and that want that so this is kind of a complicated one for me because there is like okay at, at last e3 uh which was how kinds of cool stuff but i would say the biggest highlight for me actually was advanced wars is coming back and it's a remake mm -hmm. and stuff like that um i pre-ordered it that day and you know it, it's it's on its way in december i'm excited for that uh quickly was texting everybody in there you know all excited but there's a game that i'm actually kind of tired of talking about uh, as everybody's well aware of by the time this episode comes out um, World of Warcraft. I think that, I mean, there's there's a level of nostalgia with that game that actually harms it for I think all players, including myself. Uh, we try to recapture something that just simply can't be captured. Why? Because they 
Mike Morheim said it best. You guys have learned how to play this game so well. You've trained yourself out of being able to play this game. They could put in new content, and we are so efficient at this game now after 17 years that we can destroy their content far faster. I mean, there's people that get max level within a day or two of uh, uh, two years of development. You know, we eat in two days. Um, and so it, it ruins it. And I know every time there's a new World of Warcraft that's announced, a new expansion, there's this part of me that, that lights up and that says like, oh, everybody's coming back. Everybody comes back for at least a month with a new expansion. And seeing the names pop up again from, from 10, 15 years ago that are all logging in. And it's just, it's, it's like, will, we, will this be the one that brings back what happened in 2009 and 2008? No, no none of them will. I, I know that mentally. But that part shuts off at BlizzCon, at, at when the trailer comes out, that part shuts off, and it doesn't kick in until about two months after the expansion's here, and then it's like, oh, that's right, we're living in modern times where it's just me and Kyle probably sticks around, you know, right, doing the mythic pluses and and enjoying a game yep. in a different way, and still enjoying it, sure, but not like you know, not what I was originally purchasing it for. Yeah, I think you said it best, Frank. Actually, like the community is so well versed in how the game operates the content that comes out doesn't last nearly as long as it used to. Yeah. It's for that reason why I stayed away from WoW Classic and Burning Crusade Classic. I feel like it's not going to be the same game because the community knows what to do day one. They'll just mm -hmm. cut through all the content like a lawnmower, basically, and just cut the grass all clean off. And it'll become like a stamped dirt field, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like a barren wasteland of, people just consuming content and it's just like no i'm good yeah classic has a pretty decent mix of both actually there is a lot of those people out there that are like well now we know what add-ons are and we know how to parse ourselves and see how to maximize our dps those are definitely those people there uh and the tryhards like our, our buddy scott there that, that like hit level <laughs> 70 whatever in a week and i'm still not there um but then like myself who was like i already have a place for all that kind of mentality so this one will be a place where i just check out a world that i haven't been to in a long time I think there is still some people playing that way, but yeah, there's no doubt that there's people out there that are like, bro, that's not the top DPS spec. You're playing it wrong. It's like, I'm playing it. And that's the thing, <laughs> you know? But yeah. It's, it's funny that you brought it to uh, terms of an MMO and especially one specific MMO that's been out long enough to have nostalgia, people to have be nostalgic for it while it's still a live game. Yeah. That's insane. Um, Recently on Twitter, I retweeted an article about Star Wars Galaxies, and I think something along the lines of, uh, I said something along the lines of how there will never be another game that I get that into, that I get that immersed in with that level of community involvement. And I, I've been thinking about that statement that I made, and a lot of that is due to the feeling that I, that I get when I look at a new MMO, like New World, that I'm playing now and trying to relive that same or re get, grasp that same feeling that I had when I played Star Wars Galaxies back in the day. The chase of that high is just unobtainable and it's that's when nostalgia can be a very very bad thing. Yeah. Because it le leads to me spending a lot of money that I shouldn't spend playing these <laughs> games that I know in my mind aren't going to live up even though they're technically better games because so much time has passed there's a lot more money and development experience put into the game than there was back then um 
But then I look at games like Shovel Knight and Celeste, games that are supposed to be kind of reminiscent of old school games, even Super Meat Boy to some extent, uh, just more difficult games or more arcadey games, games that are of a specific genre that are supposed to emulate feelings that we felt as kids growing up playing those kind of games. And that's when I think nostalgia can be a really good thing because a lot of people that didn't play those kinds of games will look at a trailer for Shovel Knight and they'll be like, oh, it's just another 2D platformer. But for me, I was like, oh, shit, that's another 2D platformer. And it, <laughs> once again, it's, it's about the music. It's about the, the feeling of, of actually moving the character back and forth and the little pogo animation that was uh, reminiscent of the old DuckTales game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it hits all those nostalgia points so perfectly that even a remaster of DuckTales can't emulate it. it it's it's crazy to me. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because it's it's by our perception, like me and Squeaks, when we see these trailers now, we're at the point. I, I, there was a level. There was a time when I was like, oh, cool. But now we're at the point where it's like, oh, another 2D platformer. We're the other people. Right. And it's um, and just like with the new wild expansion for you, I'm sure it's the same thing where you're just like, I mean, are they still doing this? And I'm over <laughs> here like hearts in my eyes like the emoji you know I'm like i'm all over this um yeah it's amazing how they have to be able to pitch these things to almost like a niche audience that's like hey remember that itch remember that? it reminds me of that south park episode i don't know if you guys remember that one where um randy the you know uh, stan's dad or whatever is like playing the dragon game or no maybe not even him playing the dragon game where you chase around and it's like you got to keep chasing the dragon and it'll never catch the dragon and that's <laughs> right, exactly yeah. what it is as a gamer trying to chase nostalgia Guess what, guys? We'll never get that dragon completely, but maybe we'll get its scales. Maybe we'll get close, you know? Because <laughs> nostalgia is more, it's more than just about the look of a game or the feel of a game. Right. It's about your mindset when you were playing the game. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you're a kid, you have a lot less pressures, a lot less world stresses on your shoulders. <laughs> so a game that is reminiscent of Sonic the Hedgehog, I could look at it and be like, Oh, I really want to play that game because I was super happy when I played the original Sonic the Hedgehog back in the day and then play a new version of it. And it's like, oh, why did they make him 3D? Yeah, <laughs> there's good and bad. I think a lot of our nostalgia is based off a time where, you know, we were more uh, susceptible to wondrous things like we're not as, you know, grizzled veterans of gaming like. Yeah nowadays where we recognize those patterns and they don't bring us the same level of excitement as they used to yeah is there a game out there that you guys wish you were so involved in and you could be nostalgic about uh i'll, I'll kick things off as an example eve online has always been that game to me i've always looked at players of eve online looked at that community and and, and how dedicated they are and it's just like man i wish i played that game when i was starting out so that i can be that attached to it because i just love that you know and it's it's a community that I'm jealous of, to be frankly, to, to be frank about it. And uh, I wish I was nostalgic about that game. I agree. I look at that game and I'm always like, God, I want to play that game. But it's got so many years of community development yeah. that if I just jump in as a single player, I, I'd be completely lost, disillusioned and then jump out within a, a few days, I think. Right. And that's when I try to jump on, jump in on the ground floor of a game like New World. It's like, oh, if I play the early access. I'll know what I'm doing when I jump in and I can get a head start and not be left behind working a 40 hour a week job and not having the time to dedicate to it that most other people do. 
Well, and uh, for me, I, I think every one of us can agree with this. Uh, a big one is the Pokemon franchise. I don't know how frequent you keep up with it, Frank, but uh, for yeah. me, I stopped playing the games after Gold Silver. And over those years in high school, like we saw Ruby Sapphire come out, Diamond Pearl, XY, Black White, like, what the fuck? Excuse my language. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's oh, not no. fucking acceptable. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like, holy crap. Like, how do I keep up with all this? And, you know, for me, that special place is the original 150 Pokemon yeah. or 151, I guess you could say. But uh, I also played the trading card game back then. Like, I, I was really into the show as well, as we all were probably. And over the years, it's like, how can they keep gushing this stuff out? Like, now we're up to short, short shield, sword yeah. shield. Excuse me, I said that wrong. I know sword, <laughs> sword shield. Oh, if you buy it's, the combo pack, it's called that. It's Pokemon Sword. Yeah, that's Shield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I I actually keep up on all the Pokemon now. Of course, there is a thing where like when I'm playing Shield, I have Shield. Um, and I'm going through the expansions right now. Actually, uh, when a Pokemon comes up like Slowpoke. That's from the 151. Then I'm like, yeah, I got to get that one for sure. Well, I got, like, of course you got to catch them all, right? Who we can, but like, I'm more excited when it's one of the original 151. And I always have been that way for a long time. But uh, I, I remember very well, uh, we rented a, a, what is that? A limousine for a prom and we're driving around and it's that part of prom where it's like, hey, we got four hours on this thing. We're, we're adults right now in a limo and they didn't know what to do. And I was like, look guys, uh, let's head to Walmart because Pokemon Sapphire came out today. I need to go buy that thing. So I was in a tux, <laughs> me and my buddies, and everybody thought I was a big nerd and like, surprise, I am, and bought Pokemon Pokemon Sapphire. Yeah. Well done. Dope. Well done. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if if I were to ask you both the question of whether nostalgia goggles are a good thing or a bad thing, how do you think you would answer it? And is that question even fair is it that black and white of a situation totally i think it depends yeah. based on the game or franchise yeah because okay. some franchises you know were outstanding like for me a standout one was the metal gear solid franchise like every new game of that would have callbacks or references to the previous entries uh the most like detailed nostalgic game was the fourth game metal gear solid 4 uh Sons of the Patriots? Guns of the Patriots? I think it's Guns of the Patriots. Guns, yes. Thank you. It's been a while. Um, basically, later in that game, you go back to Shadow Moses Island from the first game. And that whole sequence is full of nostalgic references. And you're playing that blind, as I did. And you go in there and you're just like, holy crap, this is so effing cool. Like, I loved every second of it. That's honestly what I liked so much about Sonic Mania, and I'll never not bring this game up. It, it's such a great game that brought me right back to more of a Sonic 3, Sonic CD kind of feeling, but it was its own game in and of itself while still taking you back. It remade a couple of the, the old school uh, levels, but it had a lot of new levels and just did its own thing while still referencing the old stuff. And maybe that is the best way to go about it rather than marketing a game as just a, a nostalgia purpose or purchase for, you know, the 
the grumpy 30 year old dudes like us yeah. that want something that they played when we were kids. We, we just can never be happy, right? I think the game developers are, are starting to learn that. Like, we'll never truly be happy. They, we have That's read true. it, and we will complain on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we, we look at a game and be like, uh, th- and they're banking on nostalgia. It's like, why not make something new for a change? And then somebody's trying something new. It's like, yeah. oh, this isn't like what I wanted. It's not what I'm used to. We can't be happy. You're absolutely right. It doesn't sell as well. <laughs> That's like that new Lion King movie. I walked out of that literally thinking like, yeah, but it was like too close to Lion King. Like I wanted it to be like Lion oh, King, but that was like too that's much. That's a great like example. Yeah, I, that's the one movie like Disney remakes, the live action remakes. I fall asleep during every single one. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. But have you seen it on Broadway? No. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> want to super bad. <laughs> I, I'm just like these remakes don't have the energy or the vibrancy of yeah. the classics, and it's like so boring to watch. I'm well, probably alone in that regard. No, Kyle, here's the thing. You're looking at it through nostalgia. Exactly what we're talking about say, here. They're probably the exactly <laughs> as good as they're supposed to be, but we're looking at it unfairly. And that's the thing with nostalgia is the bad part of it is it's just so unfair to the creators. Like you, you will never so. capture that again. And it's hmm. funny that we're saying that on a Pushing Buttons episode that's brought back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but... But, you know, it's like it's unfair to the original people. And I know I'm not Robert, guys. <laughs> but, but I think there is like good moments for me. Like one particular thing that always kind of really shines is like that's when nostalgia is done right. Is when you're playing like a game like Breath of the Wild or any of the newer Zeldas or something like that. And you're, the music's just amazing, right? And then all of a sudden it does that. Dun, 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 just like that. Just that little bit of Zelda music and the goosebumps Indeed. kick in. And yep. then you're like, yes, that if they could do that, like the little Easter eggs and stuff like that perfect so that's that's one is exactly. done right yeah mm-hmm. well i personally haven't talked about ubisoft yet today so i'm gonna do that now um even when playing a new assassin's creed game like valhalla don't choke there frank <laughs> <laughs> you on ubisoft do you need your own show where you're just talking about ubisoft each week <laughs> oh man it would be like the two faces of kevin <laughs> anyway uh yeah playing assassin's creed valhalla which is so so very different from the rest of the series but yet when i'm up high and I'm climbing along and I see somebody that I want to dive on and assassinate. It's just that shink sound. Yep. It's like, oh, it took me right back to 2007. Yep. And when I enjoyed that first game so much, and that's when it's like, oh, it gets the blood pumping and I want to do it again. I'm trying to chase yeah. that adrenaline fueled nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a good point, actually. Like gameplay, like little gameplay details. Mm-hmm. Does that bring back nostalgic feelings? Like if you're playing a sequel to an original game that you were looking back on favorably? I'm sure it does. I just don't realize it. And I think that's the point of it a lot of times is that things like that are supposed to make you feel like are supposed to be reminiscent of something that you remember from back in the day, while not explicitly telling you that it's something that you remember back from the day so that you like it without being told why you like it. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably a good development tactic. And if it's not used, it should be. We'll call it the Kevin tactic. The Kevin tactic. <laughs> and then there's, there's uh, for me, one of the things that, that I love is, and every, of course, every single Pokemon game has a Pikachu because they know how to market their games. And Pikachu with the Thunder ability, which is a, it's a 5PP move, so you don't use it very often. It's a heavy hitter, and it's actually like only like an 80% chance of hitting, so it's a little less than normal. But I remember when I was a kid, I like, I had Pokemon Blue, and that was great. But when I had Pokemon Yellow, that was the I'm not sleeping tonight at rough day at school tomorrow game (laughs) on an actual Game Boy Color that was the Pokemon edition. It was so amazing. So even today on Pokemon Shield, I've got a Pikachu that has that Thunder ability 
And when you cast that thing, it's kind of a little piece of that old thing where it's like, as a kid, where I was like, yes, this is an OP move. No, I don't need it to blow up this little, you know, Caterpie or whatever, but I gotta, you know, and I gotta just go crazy on it. And so it's, it's, it's like I'm forcing the nostalgia there and it just, it, it still rings that bell. It's perfect. Yeah. Hmm. Has there been a, a story you've made in a game? Um, I know I've got a few of these, but like a story that's been made through a game that you look back on fondly as a piece of nostalgia, something that the creators can't do, but is unique to your story. Well, I, I think that was, I've already talked about Star Wars Galaxies, but I think yeah. that was what was so unique about that game was that it was all about creating your own sto story within the Star Wars universe. And so every little bit of gameplay was your own story in that game because there was no quest line. There was no nothing. And that's why looking at any other MMO from from then going forward, nothing will ever reach the, the height of Star Wars Galaxies for me because I'm looking at them through yeah. nostalgia goggles. I mean, Kevin, we probably, you know, played this quite a bit. I'm not sure about Frank, but uh, Fable. Oh, of course. I think that's Classic. a great example. Um, yeah. The way you played those moral choices as well as the gameplay of, you know, taking out your aggression on innocent chickens. bystanders or on, you know, the Chick villains chickens. only. The chickens. <laughs> or the chickens. Thank you. Yeah. The chicken chaser. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I mean, that, that great example right there. Fable four is coming up and I, they have my money. I have not seen any footage on it. I've only seen a frog eat a fairy and I'm so buying the shit out of that because uh, I know it's fable. And I didn't even care for, like, Fable 3. I just loved Fable 1 so much that I'm like, yeah, hopefully they somehow recapture a game that they'll never be able to recapture. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's yeah. the, the other side of nostalgia for me is that my nostalgia lenses have changed for the Fable franchise because I didn't like Fable 2. I hated Fable 3. Or really? Maybe it was the other way around. <laughs> uh, the only Fable game that I loved was the first one, and I don't think they'll ever get that again. Same reason I didn't like Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm not going to play the legendary Mass Effect remasters. Um, I don't care about the Dead Space remaster, even though I never played the original to begin well, with. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think another good example of this would be, you know, developers say like Hideo Kojima. He made the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And there's a lot of hype around Death Stranding for me, especially because I was like, oh, yeah, he made the Metal Gear Solid games. Like, this isn't going to be a failure. I mean, it wasn't, but for me personally, I was bored to tears by it. Yeah, I just yeah. felt like the game was way too vast and didn't have a good focus. And there was so much attention to doing all these side activities that it just drove me away from the game entirely. Yeah. And that's one big example of, you know, nostalgia for a developer and their previous works that affected me negatively. We've got a couple we've mentioned here. Are there any other sequels that have let you down because you were leaning on the previous game so much? Oh, that's a good Knight question. Knights of the Old Republic 2, Mass Effect yeah. 2, uh, all the 3D Sonic games. <laughs> I kind of, I, I, I'll step in real quick because you've mentioned a few times. I like the 3D Sonic games. I will admit, I, I, I'm a fan of them. <laughs> the, on the yeah, old Dreamcast I, was a big fan. I know that I'm in the minority with not liking them. I just, I just can't get into them. Even yeah. with Sonic Generations, I played that specifically Ooh, for the 2D one. levels. What is it about the 3D Sonic games you enjoyed so much? Uh, I just really liked the, the fact that it was more about a story now. Um, because when you're playing the 2D versions, you, you kind of made up the story a little bit where it's like, oh, Robotnik must be from the future or something like that. And he's trying to 
try to create that world. I don't know. You you make up whatever you need to. And in in Adventures, which is the the first Sonic game I played, um, that was 3D. It might be the first one that existed. Uh, it, it had a whole story, cutscenes. There was the big cat that can fish, and just all kinds of cool stuff that I was really excited to learn about in the Sonic world. And that's when I actually really started learning about like the Chaos Emeralds and like, oh, like yeah, there's a whole huge backstory to this thing, and uh, it opened up the Sonic world to me. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, that's that's why I figured you were asking Frank because there's nothing that I like about the okay. 3D Sonic games. I messed up on that. Yeah, I had um, to touch on it because you guys had such different opinions. I wanted to. Oh yeah. See but what I, the difference was. That's the thing that was. I know why I don't like the 3D Sonic games is because they don't make me feel the same way that the first Sonic game made me feel when I was a kid. They don't bring up that Sonic nostalgia for me. I'm not nostalgic for 3D Sonic like I am for 2D Sonics. They're totally different styles of games. I don't like the story in Sonic, which is why I waited so long to watch the movie. And I regret waiting so long to watch the movie because that was a pretty fun movie to watch. It really was. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it, too, actually. And I'm not a fan of Sonic games in particular, aside from the first three. And the movie was great. I loved it. Did you ever play Sonic CD? No. Yep, I did. Uh, if, you, if you like the first three, Kyle, I, I think you'd like Sonic CD. And it's on Steam. Mm-hmm. It, and Sonic Mania, for that matter. I'm kind of like get Sonic in between. That's always on sale. Yeah. Like I enjoyed the first trilogy. I really enjoyed uh, Sonic Adventure 2 in particular. That was a really fun game. But of course, the rest of the 3D ones are just kind of like whatever. And the movie was just really fun. Like it took me back to that 90s feeling. And it was like, I, I recall having fun with this series at one point. In my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he ate that chili dog. Yeah. I was just envisioning that old school 90s cartoon from, <laughs> from back in the day. I'm like, oh, man, this is so good. It was little moments like that that were supposed to hit those buttons for fans of Sonic from, <laughs> from the 1990s. Yeah. It's nostalgia built into everything, man. There's a part where he's running around San Francisco and he's going like so fast. And he's kind of like almost warping reality. Like he's able to walk on the side of the building, whatever it was. And it was like that reminds me of when you're. Playing in Sonic, it's one of the few side scrollers really that you think of where like it feels good to skip everything. It feels so <laughs> good to just be like, I'm out of here. And I'm just going to hit that <laughs> end. And it's like, yeah, I should be collecting the coins and another version of me will get those later. But I'm going. And that, that felt good. I, I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Gotta go fast. <laughs> Gotta go fast. Yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, you know, hey, I want to bring up Ubisoft again, guys. It's our favorite company, right? Of so, course. Um, <laughs> Ghost right Re- up there with Blizzard. <laughs> oh, God <laughs> Almighty. Ghost Recall Wildlands um, was, to me, almost a perfect game, really. And it's, it reminds me kind of what you're talking about with the uh, with Galaxies. Um, they just took the training wheels off. They're like, hey, here's the people you got to go kill. You can kill them any way you want to, and you go for it. And um, for those of you guys who are familiar with Mercenaries, it's the same thing as Mercenaries. Uh, it's just better graphics. Uh, it's such a perfect game. And so then when they announced that they were coming out with a sequel called Breakpoint, I was like, yes, take my money. I'm all on board. I want those feelings again. And what they did was they tried to modernize the game and, and make it to where it's more online friendly and uh, make it to where there was like this hub where everybody's connected and more MMOE. And, and it's like you took something nostalgia and you guys thought that it needed to be improved, but instead you actually just hurt the game and Breakpoint felt it. Breakpoint was a, was a flop. Uh, and so I think that's happening a lot too with this nostalgia thing is, is they think they know better than us. And sometimes they do, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're missing the point. 
and taking the like for me in Wildlands, it was just like letting us have fun, and they ruined it. And then like you know, not to keep talking, but a game that I oftentimes mention is Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor was a really good game, and they saw what the fans liked the best: the capturing uh, orcs, and they just made the second the second game all about that. And, you know, and so it was like, that's how you do it. You take the nostalgia part and then you're just like, here's 11. Boom. And let us go. You know, so companies got to figure out how to, to do this nostalgia thing right, I guess. <laughs> I think Ubisoft has been banking on the, the nostalgia for money. Uh, they, they, they took, uh, was it Breakpoint? You said Ghost Recon Breakpoint and made it a live service game. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed Infinite is going to be rumors say it's going to be a, a live service game they keep referencing Fortnite elements. when they're talking about it like e, god don't do that oh yeah god yeah no, thank been, you they've referenced it a <laughs> few times in, in recent posts yeah so there are definitely ways that evil corporations like blizzard or uh ubisoft can take advantage of our nostalgia for yeah. so like i look at diablo 2 remastered and I look at there's a button you can press to make it go from old school graphics to the, the new remastered graphics. I'm like, oh, that is so fucking cool. Yeah. But I don't want to support you evil pricks. <laughs> it's in Halo, too, by the way. If you guys are Halo fans, that same button exists in the Halo games. And it's a lot of fun to press that button back and forth. Yeah. I was thinking so of particularly Warcraft 3 Reforged and how that oh. backfired big time for all of us. Because I never played that when it first came out. And I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. And, of course, we know what happened. and It's like. That's a shame because I would have really liked to dive in and play that as it was. But instead, they just botched it from the get go. Well, it, it got buried in, in the recent Blizzard news, and it's why we're, none of us are on, high on their supply right now. But um, it got buried in the rest of it. Warcraft 3 Reforged actually come to find out due to internal memos. They knew it wasn't ready when it launched, and they still launched it anyways, knowing that they're like, we'll just patch it in real quick. But everybody will go by it because it's Warcraft 3 Reforged. So bad. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, holy shit, guys, you guys just, you shit the bed this week. So, um, yeah, yeah, just just one more thing to throw on the heap for those who are, of us that are disappointed. EA did the same thing with Mass Effect Andromeda. They yeah. they all knew that it wasn't gonna, that, that it wasn't gonna go. It's same with Anthem, two Bioware games right there. Yeah. That they knew weren't finished when they released, but EA's like, no, we're pushing it out. We got Poor it. Anthem. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Really disappointing mess. that a lot of these companies and publishers, like, capitalize on that like our fond memories of a time when gaming was so more like simple like more well designed overall like had more intention behind the design mm -hmm. and it seems like now it's just appealing to as many people as possible but that's exactly what i love about most indie studios is that they also bank on our nostalgia but they do it the yeah. way that we remember it being done as kids whether or not we have the same feelings towards it, it you know 30 years have gone by since then, who knows, but at least those games are still somewhat reminiscent of the old school games. That's why I'm always so high on indie devs. They're, yeah. Indie studios are just a godsend Yeah. in yeah. this industry. And they often use the old school business model, which is always great, where it's like, hey, we're just going to sell you a game, and if you like it, you yeah. buy it. <laughs> no <laughs> microtransactions, okay, yeah. none of that nonsense. I, literally, because we've been doing a lot of TikTok, guys. Check out the Geek Freaks TikTok. It's actually doing quite well. Um, and that was one of the things I was like celebrating. I was like, hey guys, good news. Dead Space, no microtransactions. And it's an EA game. Like that it's is newsworthy news. now. <laughs> like it's crazy that that's even newsworthy, but it is. And it's awesome. You know, that's a selling point. That was a big fault of Dead Space 3. Like, you know, looking back on the first two games, I loved them. I adore them. Mm -hmm. The third one came out with microtransactions. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I know 
maybe some executive up top is like, Hey, we got to get this in there to be goals or whatever. And me personally, I never utilize those microtransactions. God, I can't talk. Microtransactions. <laughs> Excuse me. That's for editing Frank to deal with, not us. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I just can't say that word. Um, it, it just makes me vomit when I say it. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. Oh, that we're keeping it all now. That's all good standing now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like microtransactions. Write it down. That's do a it. clip. 48. In. <laughs> But oh, I didn't let that deter my enjoyment of the game. It was definitely a flawed game. Not as good as the first two entries. But I'm really happy that they're pushing that narrative for this remake. Like, it's going to yeah. retain as much spirit of the original as much as possible. That's only good news. It's the second EA game in recent years to come out with no microtransactions. And that's the selling point, too, by the way. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order being the other one. Uh, could EA have learned a lesson that we all hope they learn? I really hope so. We don't know. I think it's not in their sports games, but you know, anything else maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, FIFA is kind of carrying them, but I think it's more they they found out where the the line was. They found out they crossed it, so now they're getting praise for backpedaling on stuff that they themselves caused. So they're getting just praise for doing shit that they're the reasons why we wanted it to be out of out of the way right. to begin with. But on the other side of it, we should be praising them so that they at least know what is right and what's wrong. Just as it is important that we also bash them when they add microtransactions. Like, we have to be a vocal fan base because otherwise they'll get us. And so, like, if we praise them for the things they do right, even though it's backpedaling from things they did wrong, at least they understand, like, this is the rules. You guys play by our rules and we'll buy your stuff. Like, it's as simple Absolutely. as that, really. You know. Okay, so I guess I was conflating the word praise with... Uh, yeah, I, for me, yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, I, I bought Jedi Fallen Order because it didn't have any of that stuff, but I'm not yeah. going to be like, oh, you guys are so great for not putting microtransactions into this game. Thank you so much. It's like, no, uh, you will have my money in exchange for making a product that I want to buy. Yep. <laughs> for them, that's the praise they care about is, is the, <laughs> yeah, is the exactly. GameStop checkout line. Yeah, that's all they really care about. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Especially EA. They, they, they're really big fans of that stuff. They, um, they seem to have this weird pattern where they'll release like a string of great games and then they'll just throw all that in the trash and release all these mass appealing lowest common denominator cash grabbers and it's yeah. like the string of failures and then they just kind of wind back up again like it's such a weird thing to well see unfold well you know what and and bringing it back to our thing here it's a it's a nostalgia circle right because Kinda, they make yeah. great games that build nostalgia. Then they're like, okay, well, we cut a crap out. We could use the B team to make this stuff, I guess. And then we buy it because of the nostalgia. And then all of a sudden that starts to fade out. And they're like, oh, wait, we got to actually start working hard again. Not that they don't work hard. I don't want to hear it. Okay, guys, we know they, all the developers are working hard. Working we're talking hard about, again. Right. We're talking yeah. about the guys that own EA, not the guys working at EA. Um, and it's like, it's like this nostalgia circle where they have to like build nostalgia. Then they cash on it and then they have to build it again. And so it's, you know. Do you think there would ever be a time when people are nostalgic for live service games? I, I actually do think so because there is one particular game and I'm tired of talking about games I've played because I talk, I've been on too many podcasts, but Ark Survival Evolved is a live service game that I am truly nostalgic for. And it's based off of the stories that I built in it, but those stories are impossible without the community that was there. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, it seems crazy, but there's going to be a day where somebody's like, man, you guys remember Fallout 76? <laughs> you know, there's going to be, be 
a whole bunch of zoomers that are going to be like, man, remember the black hole event in Fortnite? And it's like, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. No. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Fortnite is actually, I mean, I mean, you know, we can't knock it. Fortnite will be nostalgic for a lot of players that were, that are emerging today. And as old school players, we kind of need to endorse that. We need to support that because as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of Fortnite as a whole, I mean, I play it here and there and it's, it's good for the views to be honest with you. Um, it, it's ushering in a new era of gaming and it's paying for a lot of indies to get a spotlight, which is really nice. And I know it's, it's, it's the ends of the mean, right? It's Epic trying to take out steam fine. But in the meantime, you guys are giving me free indies that I could be exploring and checking out and, and discovering. So, you know, who cares in the end, right? So, um, Fortnite, we all like to bash it sometimes. Some of those older people, but you know, Hey, it's, it's doing something it's really important. Yeah. 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 And when you play that, it's usually over at twitch.tv slash Geek Freaks Podcast, son right? of a bitch. Look at him advertise. Like a champ. Like a champ. <laughs> yeah. Been doing a lot of morning streams, by the way, guys. And I know this comes out a couple weeks after that week of testing, but I think it's going to be a new thing. Just because, man, I mean, I have higher bit rate and everything like that. The streams in the morning yeah. are looking really good. So good. that good. might be a new oh, thing. Yeah. I was watching that on my phone at work. Uh, I mean, no, I wasn't. If anyone at work is listening. Um. <laughs> And even on, <laughs> even over Wi-Fi on my phone, it didn't drop quality even once. So yeah, it was, which is that, I like the morning streams for you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's gonna have to be the thing. Yeah, we're getting there, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Think we should wrap this this up. I mean, if we have to, I don't really want to. <laughs> I know but... it's kind of a good topic, really. It really is. Well, I yeah. think we, I think we generated a lot of topics for other times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I'm more curious about. Or what you, the listeners, have to say on the topic. You should let us know. Hitting us up on Twitter. At Geek Freaks Podcast. Uh, honestly, I, I know Frank's right here. So it's going to be kind of weird praising him to his face. But uh, GeekFreaksPodcast.com has links to everything they talk about on the Geek Freaks News Podcast. And honestly, he works his ass off getting those articles up there. And Indeed. they're good reads, too. You Honestly, check those out for all your gaming news. Uh, like sure. We talked about Twitch. Uh, are, you, are you, we on Instagram? We be on the, on we're the on gram, yo? Oh, yeah. We're actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on and Instagram. Talked about we're kind TikTok. of on Facebook. If anybody wants to run our Facebook page, just let me know. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> anybody, just anybody can run it. It doesn't matter. Our TikTok is actually a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun on TikTok. It's actually what I wanted to do on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm doing now on TikTok, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. So that's good. good. Nice. Cool. And, of well, course, we got our Discord as well. Oh. oh shit, we got Discord. That's where we all talk. That's, That's what we're talking we're right about. Now. Don't you have yes. questions from Discord that we could be? I don't even know if we got any questions. I shoot. This is see, we should have prepped for this part. I'm a big prep guy. We could have had questions ready and seen what other people thought about nostalgia games. But I forgot. Uh, nobody answered my question, so it's because they're answering mine, guys. So you guys know that Geek Freaks news that was out a couple weeks ago where all those really great <laughs> additional answers. Yeah, that overshadowed <laughs> Kevin's in my bed. <laughs> yeah well it didn't help that i answered the question and then immediately asked another one i think we need to use <laughs> so, our i need to we need to use our discord community more for that kind of stuff though because they're very active and a really great group of people and uh of course if you guys want to join that discord community links will be in the description heck yeah and we'll be back here in two weeks time to talk about another topic for that time so Thank you very much, Frank, for joining us this time. Yes, thank you. You're thank welcome you back me. anytime to a podcast that's on your own feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as always, Kyle, thanks for joining me. And Absolutely. we'll be back here in a couple of weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye-bye. Love you.